Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London is Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to part two of the Arsenal podcast. Coming back at you guys, we had so many questions from social media and our preview for Burnley. We just wanted to break it up so we didn't have to cut off any of the Arsenal review. So back with us, as always, are Dan and Nick, and Simon is able to continue to join us. So we appreciate all you guys coming back. But right away, just going into it. Social media questions. We're going to kick it off with actually an email from Eric. I talk to him every week. He literally emails me two minutes after the match ends. He is on top of it. And he said he wants to know, should we be concerned about Diego Costa? He's gone two games without any goals, and he's clearly trying too hard. In Eric's opinion, he had two chances to set up teammates, one to Pedro and another to William or Fabregas, but he was selfish with the ball. Nick, do you see this being an issue going forward? Um, I don't know. I, I was kind of disappointed with his selfishness today. I mean, you want your striker to be selfish, but not when there are obvious options around you. I think that Conte has has fueled this team kind of first game where you know you, you make the right play and that's going to be more rewarding than, than making a selfish play. 
so I'm hoping that, you know, it's just a little blip on the radar. I don't see it as a, a huge issue going forward, but I agree with Eric and then that he was trying way too hard to get a goal today. I think that maybe if he would have stepped off the gas a little bit, that there would have been an opportunity that would have uh, come to him a lot easier. Well, yeah, you, you look at the where he was positionally for this match. He he was much deeper than where he has been, um, you know, the past you know two, three, four matches where you know he was probably one of the most advanced players on the pitch. Uh, you know, Alonso, uh, Hazard, Pedro all further forward than Costa in this match, and he was really drawing that center back attention out towards him, really giving some freedom uh, on the left and the right hand side. Uh, for Alonzo and Moses to kind of move forward. And and so I think, you know, to the point Simon made our last podcast about Hazard and Liverpool, where Hazard was really doing the, the team a service by the way he was playing. I almost think Costa, you know, took himself out of the game at points um, to free up other players to kind of start to wreak, wreak havoc on, on Arsenal this match. So I, I think blip, yes, but I think it was done. I actually think it was more selfless play than it was actually selfish play for the majority of the match. You know, you can flip it, the script as well, at HN underscore Nadia says, do you find Pedro with not a lot of chances being selfish? He could have had a simple pass to Casa. So maybe it was just we had, I, I don't know. I mean, Simon, to me, I think that, yeah, Diego Costa is a little bit selfish. That's normal for a striker. Pedro, he doesn't always make the best decision, but going back to what Dan said, I thought he did the same thing, was a team player against Liverpool, did the dirty work again today. Yeah, I, I think with Diego that um, his um, performances this season have been so good uh, for so many weeks. Um, one one games on his own on so many occasions that you, you can't expect him to do it for 38 games. That there are it's natural, it's inevitable that a player is going to have a little dip. I think the reason why um, his dip in the last two games, missing the penalty at Liverpool and and being a bit selfish against Arsenal on a couple of occasions. I think the reason why that, that that sort of obviously gets a bit of attention is because the the, the elephant in the room is is his future. Uh, the, the, another story broke out ahead of the game about him already agreeing a contract to move to China, uh, which he uh, reacted in his own um, uh, <laughs> cool, calm, and measured fashion on social media. Um, but but whilst this is lurking on in the background. Um, he, I think Chelsea fans have a right to be concerned about Diego Costa's long-term future. Yes, the story went away uh, and was brilliantly handled by Chelsea but in, in January. But um, I think uh, his future is going to be up for discussion once again in the summer. And the, the, the question is, can Chelsea keep him focused for the rest of the season and, and try and uh, make sure that he's not distracted by all the talk that's going on around him? And I'm pretty convinced that Diego Costa will be back among the goals sooner rather than later. He's just too good. In my opinion, he's been the best striker in the league this season. The goal-scoring charts will show that it's a, a close race. Um, I think Romelu Lukaku overtook him this weekend. But in terms of a striker that, that takes the fight to the opposition, I don't think Chelsea would swap him for anyone else in the, in the top division. You're right. Lukaku did jump him by one, but... He will definitely, he's got the consistency that he's had. And look, they're two of the top teams in the league. So it's going to come a lot harder for him to score than for Lukaku to score against. Who did they just bury? Bournemouth? Bournemouth, yeah. You got and, we, and we did we did just take Nathan Aki away from him too. So they had to play with uh, Francis and 
uh, it's not worked out well for Eddie Howe in that regard. It has not. Uh, next switch from at Ross Park 19. Not so, he says, not so much of a question, but an appreciation for Conte being so good. I've never seen him need to slide tackle. Uh, he does lunge so well, but he does. He stays on his feet. It's impressive. And Nick, we have a an unverified statistic that was tweeted out uh, and shared to our Facebook group um, from Ugo, but apparently it's the most Premier League tackles over the past three seasons. Right. So Grant, Grant James uh, tweeted at us um, as well. So players with the most tackles of the Premier League over the last three seasons. Uh, N'Golo Conte has 253 tackles. Nemanja Matic has 252. Eric Peters at Stoke has 252. And Dave has 251. The problem with this is that N'Golo Conte has only played two seasons out of the three. So you imagine that if this stat is correct, and we'll go and verify it, uh, that you know, if, if you add another season's worth of tackles on there, he's probably a hundred or, or so ahead. It, it would seem because, it, you know, just averaging out his, his matches so far, he's tremendous, man. Like I, again, I can't say enough about him. Uh, you heard me wax poetic in part one uh, about where he's at. Uh, you know, it might be, you know, you look at Costa, David Luiz and N'Golo Conte on this squad and, you know, throw Hazard in there as well. I don't know if there's a direct replacement for any of those players right now. So uh, hoping that some contract extensions are, are in the works um, and uh, we're going to keep them for, for the long term. We've talked a lot about needing a spine again. You know, we used to have the spine right up the back with JT, uh, Lamps and Drogba, you know, and other players throughout the years. Starting to see another spine come back, Simon. Obviously, this is like the core of the Chelsea team. Yeah, I mean, uh, I suppose you'd go Courtois, Louise, Kante, um, and Costa as your spine. Um, Kante, for me, you, you could you could make a very good case that he was the best signing of the summer um, at thirty-two million pounds, uh, an absolute steal. And then when you sort of compare his contribution to um, Manchester United's world record by Paul Pogba. Um, you would you would sort of argue that uh, perhaps the transfer fees should be the other way around, uh, <laughs> um, because uh, Kante is the one that's um, starring week in week out, and and uh, Paul Pogba is someone you you're still struggling to sort of see exactly what he does, apart from fancy commercials and things on social media. Um, I, I I do uh, I do sort of think that the spine replacing Chelsea's spine was. And, and the old guard in general was was going to be such a such a terribly difficult task. I mean, you, you're talking about replacing some of the greatest players Chelsea have ever had. Um, you know, David Luiz at 29 is obviously not going to be around for for too long, long term. And of course, has already been part of, I suppose you could argue, part of Chelsea's success in the past. But you know, Kante is at a good age. Costa, his future is a bit questionable. Courtois at 24, though. Um, He's a guy that uh, Chelsea really need to nail down his long-term future because there's no doubt about it, Real Madrid will be attempting proposition for him. He's, he's got just over two years left on his contract. But Chelsea have here a goalkeeper that can genuinely challenge, and who would have thought it, uh, the legacy of Petr Cech if they can keep him around for another 10 years. 
Oh, I mean, right now they can promise him a 70 minute vacation uh, once a week on a Saturday or Sunday. Um, so I, I think to me, that's one of the biggest issues right now is can you nail him down to a contract extension and continue to develop that spine? Because obviously Conte's you know, contract is brand new, Courtois getting a, a re-sign. And then if, if Diego Costa is amenable to it, uh, increasing his you know, contract with the club too would be... I don't know. That would be some of the best business that we could do heading into the summer window. David Louise uh, doesn't, he hasn't aged like a, a typical 29 year old in the Premier League. I think his athleticism is still off the charts. And I think the, the comparison that we've seen on Twitter recently is to that of Sergio Ramos, who has gone through a position change at Real Madrid and then has, you know, kind of assumed that that leader mold on that, on that team of superstars. And, you know, if, if you do a, a cross comparison, I'm not saying he's as good as Ramos right now, but you can see a lot of similarities between the two. And I, th- I think there's just a lot more to come. I don't think he's a typical 29 year old in, in the way his body's been uh, handled thus far. Next question from at devil Dan 09 says, is Dave a long-term center back for Conte or if Zuma was healthy all year, do we see Dave at right wing back kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. You know, Simon was talking about the, the aerial weakness that maybe we have on crosses, especially on that side. I think that there was a good indication that Conte wants to get Zuma's sharpness and tactical uh, acumen up by getting him in today. Um, but you know, Dan, I Ashish uh, said on Facebook saw a heartening cameo by Zuma today. Where, according to you guys, does Zuma lie in the pecking order? Considering that we've recalled Ake now, to me, I just think that Ake is going to be more of a wingback player than a center back. Uh, but what do you think as far as Dave's long term future and where Zuma stands? I mean, we talk about uh, great buys, um, you know, seven million uh, pounds for Cesar Aspilicueta will go down as one of those other, you know, crazy transfer fees you played for a player who, you know, is just otherworldly sometimes in the energy and the stamina that he has to trek up and down the right-hand side and, and marshal uh, far, far larger players uh, into compromised positions to turn the ball over. Uh, I, yeah, he's, I think there's no reason why he wouldn't be the starting uh, right center back for the next couple of seasons in the the current format. You know, I don't, I think Zuma uh, tactically is not as, as gifted as Dave uh, physically uh, from a speed standpoint and a physicality standpoint. Absolutely. You know, the, the height would probably be something that we look for, uh, but there's other players that we're going to have to look at too. I mean, the wing back obviously is a consideration there. You could add some height uh, with those positions. Um and then also, you know, do you, you know, if you, you know, if you sub out Maddich, you know, you're probably going to want to make sure whoever, you know, goes into that spot there would be, you know, of equal or, uh, you know, height or stature. Um, so I think it, it might just be something if we don't add height to the team that, you know, we look at crosses and we look at that area to exploit that Chelsea's aware and maybe, you know, trains tactically on how to handle those a little bit differently if height is going to be a, a deficit in our squad. I would say really quickly on this, and I'll pass it over to Simon, that, Zuma has just a tremendous future. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a summer, you know, maybe Antonio Conte works with the whole team over the summer for different formations and, uh, you know, plugging players into different positions. We haven't seen Dave uh, do as job uh, as good of a job at uh, wingback as 
the current wingbacks that we have. So I think there's a consideration there that that might not be the role that he's going to play. But I think Dave's going to continue to get better as a center back. And, you know, eventually Cahill, uh, you know, you know, he can't play forever either. You know, it's just a recently turned 30 year old. So I think we're going to see, you know, kind of some height come in in that position, maybe uh, to support what Dan was saying. But Ake seems to be a weird three position player that I'm not sure what Antonio Conte is going to do with. Uh, and Simon's guess is as good as mine. I bet Simon's oh. guess is better, actually. Yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> oh, oh, the pressure. Oh, the pressure. Uh, what, what, what I would say is um, Nathan Aki is almost um, a bit of a Dave the Second um, in that he, he, he is quite versatile. He, he can be left wing back. He can play centre half. Even better, he can play in midfield as well. So there's there's a big reason why Chelsea rejected an £18 million bid from Bournemouth. Uh, right on deadline day is because they see him as as someone with a great future. He's a great kid. He's got a fantastic attitude. There's no ego about him whatsoever. Um, and they've they've been working with this guy for a number of years, so they definitely sort of have him in their plans. There's a few question marks about Chelsea going forward. If 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 um, if you um, if I may just sort of throw it forward to the summer. In that you know Chelsea do want to sign a centre half, um, someone like Virgil Van Dijk at Southampton. Then you've got Andreas Christensen coming back. Um, Kurt Zuma is someone they like. So whilst Chelsea boasts one of the best defensive records this season, I think Conte is already thinking of the ways to improve. And you should also bear in mind that next season. Chelsea be fighting on four fronts, not just three. So players like Nathan Aki, Kurt Zuma, they'll want them to sort of play even more next season because it's going to be a much harder job to fight for the title whilst also trying to win the Champions League and FA Cup and EFL Cup. It's going to be a big jump from where we're at this season. You're right. You know, it's been great having a week off between almost every single match. Uh, well, you know, talking about the home stretch, uh, Hamid asked on Facebook, uh, t- for us to discuss the squad rotation for the home stretch, uh, Aman underscore CFC asked on Twitter, hashtag minutes for Ake. And then <laughs> at just Badu, it says, when do you think Ake will start to contribute more? Um, even Derek Reynolds at the one Derek says, Oh, when is Mishi going to get quality minutes once the league is wrapped up? I'll kick this off. There's not going to be rotation. Conte talked about we're not going to change what we're doing. It's consistency. It's working. We're not getting complacent. We're not taking things. Every single press conference, I mean, you hear this. Uh, have Chelsea wrapped it up yet? Uh, I think someone even asked him in Italian yesterday if it was the league was you know finito, and he's like, no, like you guys are no. He's not going to say it. Obviously. I just don't think there's going to be a lot of squad rotation. You're going to see the strongest 11 out there, and then maybe there will be some subs in the 80th minute, like Conte always does, waits till the last 10, and then he makes those changes, Simon. Yeah, I mean, the the only time you, you're going to see the likes of uh, Aki, Zuma, Batshuayi will be uh, once again probably against Wolves um, in the FA Cup uh, later in February. Um, he, he basically has 12 players, doesn't he? Um, the the only change he tends to make is is William and Pedro. Uh, everyone else is now down their spots. It's only going to take it's going to take an injury 
uh, for him to change that lineup. And um, I think the biggest sort of uh, thing you can sort of biggest sort of example you can sort of say for all of this um, in terms of any player that might be looking at the situation going, I should be playing more, is the sight of captain John Terry. Um, you know, Chelsea's one of Chelsea's greatest players, um, barely getting a game as well. So if he's not getting a game, then then no one else is really in a position to complain because this guy's won the lot and yet there's no place for him in this team. To which he's came out and said he's happy he's not playing because that means Chelsea are doing well. Unreal, Dan, just like what JT has said and, and kind of how he handles it. But again, I mean, is there any room for rotation, obviously, as we as we look to actually wrap up the league title? I think that, that that would be the hope, right, is that we can continue a run of form that puts us in a position to have the title locked up, you know, three, four, five matches remaining in the season, uh, and then a couple of these players get, you know, some full full 90 time to potentially run out and, you know, get some, you know, minutes for Mishi, minutes for Ake, whoever you want it to potentially be for, for your, your hashtag Twitter campaign. But I <laughs> it's not likely that you're going to rotate it uh, too much. You know, it's the lucky Jersey and you don't want to throw it in the wash right now. You want to keep on wearing it because you know, it's, it's brought you good luck and we're not going to make too many changes. So if you're crying for it, uh, you're going to be crying and, and it's going to fall on deaf ears. Um, all right, let's go ahead and wrap up social media questions with this one. It's a little off topic. It's not really in our wheelhouse. Uh, but at Stephen Ricicci asks us, if you are an Arsenal fan, which we're not, who do you blame? The Wenger, the board, the injured players, or stars like Ozil and Sanchez who just were not at their top today? So this is the wild card we'll throw out there. Uh, Nick, you know, being the businessman you are, I'm sure you've got this nailed down. We don't have enough time to go through all of the excuses and blame that Arsenal fans are putting out right now. I mean, that would be a whole other show. And frankly, I just don't have the time for that kind of negativity. But uh, a question for Simon, maybe because we weren't there, but did you see Ozil and Sanchez on the field? Because <laughs> oh. I, didn't, I didn't see them. And I'm wondering, you know, if that's a real question or not. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yes, I can vouch uh, for them. <laughs> uh, they were there. Um, I, I, I noticed uh, Sanchez in particular because he, he seemed particularly agitated by what his teammates were doing. They, they couldn't get him in the game. Um, whereas Mesut Ozil was Mesut Ozil, um, a, a guy that you, you sort of do actually have to check the team sheet sometimes to check that his name's on it. Um, I, I remember sort of seeing him sitting down slouched when the when the final whistle went. Um, but here's a guy that, uh, that the Arsenal fans um, sort of debate about how good he is. But in a way, you could argue he's a typical Arsenal player. He's a bit of a flat track bully. Um, he's very good in when when all things are going rosy, and, and that tends to be against the better teams. Uh, sorry, the weaker teams. But uh, when they need him most, he tends to go missing and. Uh, I just think out of the two players that Arsenal need to tie down to a long-term contract, it's um, Alexis Sanchez should be where they try and uh, put all their resources because uh, Ozil, I think, is someone that they can easily replace and find someone else that might turn up on a more regular basis. Yeah, to, to me, not locking down Sanchez is a clear admission to the fans that they're not trying because he he is by far the the best player on that squad. Uh, I think a player that you know, I, I would 
say, you know, would I would welcome under Chelsea. I think he's a fantastic, you know, ball playing forward. I think he would, you know, be great in a, a front three. And I mean, there's just so much wrong. There, there's so much wrong with, you know, the resistance to, you know, pay a, a certain amount for players and to, to haggle over millions of pounds over your, your budget uh, a failure to set up loans to, you know, recall people halfway through the season, you know, Jack Wilshire gets to play, you know, in midfield for Bournemouth and, you know, Wenger talks about, well, it's a season long loan. And, you know, now you're running Oxlade Chamberlain through your midfield and hoping that you're going to be okay. Uh, it's not getting better for Arsenal right now. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, prayers, prayers, happy thoughts your way because the, the suffering doesn't end here. Well, let's go ahead and uh, you know move on from this. We again thank all you guys for the questions on social media. As always, uh, top notch today. Uh, we're gonna do that teaser that we talked about in part one uh, earlier in the week about our Lampard jersey. Before we go ahead and look at Burnley, here we go. Hey Dan, uh, qu- quick question for you. Not a not a big deal, but did any other Chelsea legend retire or move on from the club this week? Uh, Oscar was earlier. Um, yep. Mikel happened already. Yep. Vanovich done. Uh, not John Terry yet. No. Frank Lampard. There it is. Yeah, so you nailed it. Um, you know, as Frank we the did, Tank. Frank the Tank. <laughs> uh, as we did our uh, our Brana and, and Mikel jersey giveaway this week, we are working with World Soccer Shop on a special uh, Lampard uh, retirement kind of contest giveaway. Uh, we will let you guys know as soon as we have more information on kind of the steps and, and the process to make that happen. Uh, but that should be coming out this week. So keep your eyes peeled to our social media accounts. We're going to announce all that stuff. And best of luck as you try and win the, uh, the jersey of maybe Chelsea's greatest ever player. Yeah, thanks to worldsoccershop.com for making it happen. I would just like to add on that, Chelsea fans, if you aren't on social media for whatever reason, you can email us. And we will send you the link as well. London is blue podcast at gmail.com. Head to our website. You can also contact us there. Uh, but as we look ahead, we've got Burnley coming up this weekend and more Premier League action heading over to Turf Moor this coming Sunday, February 12th. As we look at this, Chelsea have a very dominant head to head record, uh, winning four of the matches, only drawing one against Burnley. Uh, as we look away, we've won two out of two. And the last time we played them back in August, as the season was just kicking off, Dan, uh, Chelsea three, Burnley nil. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good match. And, you know, I think the 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 fear has to be heading to turf more is that while Burnley are just sometimes an abject disaster away from home, uh, home and turf more has been a palace for them. Uh, you know, heading in this weekend, I think it was that you know twenty eight of their twenty nine points have been acquired uh, at home. So they uh, they like to make turf more into a little bit of a, a fortress. So it's not gonna. Yeah, I think you look at it on paper, you're like, oh, Burnley. You know, that should that should be something we should chalk up to be a victory. And you know, I think it's going to be a very uh, very contested game from them. Uh, Burnley are actually they were at ninth or tenth for a little bit, but then the rest of the results came in. Nick, they're still in twelve place uh in the table nowhere near relegation zone uh actually just sitting above southampton bournemouth middlesbrough and then the rest of the relegation zone battles um from form wise you literally can look down their last six matches 
away loss, home win, away loss, home win, away loss. As long as Chelsea go out and do the business, do what we can do, should be straightforward. I think so. Uh, you know, I will. There is something to say um, for playing away from home against the team that you should beat. It's really, it should be really easy to get up for the Arsenal match. You know, top four clash, hated rival. You know, it might not be as easy for this team to get as amped up uh, to play uh, Burnley. So I would hope that they come out with the same level of intensity uh, that we've had uh, in, in previous matches and, and really just put it away early. Maybe get some some minutes for Mishi. Who's to say? I think an early goal will be important. Um, Simon, obviously, you're a lot more familiar probably with Burnley and Sean Dice's. I mean, he's an intense guy, and he's going to want his team to go out and really just battle and grind this out. And they get a chance to go out and try to get another result over a top team in the league, which is probably their motivating factor. Oh, very much so. Um, that he he, uh, he sets his team up um, to be very physical. Um, I remember... And I'm sure Nemanja Matic does as well. The uh, the tackle he received from Ashley Barnes uh, a couple of years ago, which could have broken his leg. Um, and of course, Matic then reacted badly and got sent off and missed the League Cup final. Uh, I don't know if you remember that one, guys, but I'm sure uh, Chelsea would be aware of the uh, the kind of intensity they're going to be facing. Burnley is the kind of ground that is it, is a classic old ground. It's not one of these uh, nouveau sort of uh, sort of almost a perfect stadium built brought to you by ikea flat pack you know uh, sort of built beautifully it's a it's a classic old-fashioned english ground it doesn't have the biggest attendance but the atmosphere there is is quite um uh, intimidating and uh, i think the key will be for chelsea is to to perhaps give burnley the ball um to sort of say because i think i think burnley would love the counter-attack but perhaps give Bernie the ball, let them invite them on, and then try and hit them on the counter with the speed of of Hazard and and Willian or Pedro. Um, I just think perhaps it might be one of those games where Chelsea sort of let them uh, blow themselves out and then and then hit them where it hurts. I think it's a good shout. You know, obviously going back to that Modric incident with Ashley Barnes, do remember that very clearly because we kind of said he he dropped off a bit the rest of that season and then didn't really recover the following season. We were concerned that, you know, Modic might not be the the player we once saw. Thankfully he has absolutely regained form and I'm sure he's going to be up for that. But yeah, I mean, Burnley, uh, as we listen to mixed nuts and, and the, you know, the stats bomb podcast, they're talking about how Burnley are overperforming in almost every single category, especially at home. They're finding ways to win. Um, and they're finding ways to to get some surprise results. I mean, them beating Southampton and being above them in the table is pretty surprising. But, you know, at the same time, uh, Chelsea are on phenomenal form, and it's just going to be up to them to go do the business. Um, nothing nothing too crazy as you look at, you know, Chelsea pretty much are sweeping the the top player stats across all of the, uh, the different lines there. So um, nothing that... I don't know. I guess, is there anything else, guys, that we're seeing that maybe were is, is potential miss? I know, Nick, you pointed out coming off two really big matches against top four challengers and then dropping down to the 12th team in the league. But again, I just go back to Conte not allowing it to happen. Yeah, I mean, that, that'll be the, the thing to watch is just kind of the intensity that they're playing with. Um, 
you also might see Cess Fabregas a little earlier, you know, if we're if we're finding Burnley tougher to break down than than Arsenal, um, which is possible. So, uh, you know, I think that you know every time he's come on in recent weeks, he's made a huge impact, um, and obviously got the goal today or uh, yesterday when when we were watching. So, uh, you know, that's that's something I would look out for. But overall, I think you're going to see the same exact lineup with the same players, hopefully doing the same kinds of things. Um, I guess we can expect, hopefully, uh, Diego Costa to find his goal-scoring form here. Simon, you know, Tom Heaton is having an absolute thunderous season, playing out of his mind. Um, but probably a good shout for, you know, Costa to find the back of the net again. Yeah, and of course, um, the venue for his first goal in, in, in the Premier League is, uh, if you think back to uh, that that sort of outstanding uh, game of a couple of years ago, which also brought that Cesc Fabregas assist for Andre Schürrle, mm-hmm. um, sort of, which which basically meant that uh, from that very night you sort of thought this could be a title-winning team we're seeing. But, but yeah, I, I think Diego. Um, I, I haven't sort of looked closely at his stats, but I think it's very rare for him to have gone to go three games without a goal for Chelsea this season. Unlike everyone else, he, he tends to get his goals in, in just ones, in single figure, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't done a Lukaku and scored four goals in a game. So um, that's why I think he's been the best striker this season, is that he's done it actually over a number of games, not just a few. Um, now, he will be also up against Michael Keane, a, a defender that um, Chelsea have looked at, a, a promising um, young English defender. So that would be an interesting matchup to see how, whether he comes to Chelsea or not, how Michael Keane copes with uh, the kind of striker that Diego Costa can be when he's at his very best. Awesome. Well, that is all I have for this uh, this brief preview. Um, if you guys have anything else that you want to hear out there, listeners, tweet at us as always. Uh, email us, Facebook us. We are happy to engage with you all. Um, but I think that's a wrap. So let's go ahead and do some final thoughts and get on out of here. Uh, Nick, what do you have to take us out today? I uh, just want to thank Simon for coming on. I know that the last time we talked, it was not as fun. So uh, I'm glad that we were able to to reconcile that and make it make it a lot more fun uh, this time around. I would also just quickly add um, to our listeners kind of all over the world that we will be uh, the, the contest that we, we spoke about previously will probably be a UK, Australia, United States, Canada kind of thing. So uh, we're working on getting a more worldwide kind of set up there, but we're, uh, you know, for, for right now, that's kind of where we live. Um, but yeah, I will pass it over to Dan. Yeah. You know, thanks again to Simon as well, uh, for the, uh, wonderful, you know, couple moments that we had a chance to spend with you again for the, the great work you've been doing covering, uh, Chelsea this year and, and keeping us updated and abreast of what's going on. And, uh, you know, just, uh, crazy to think about how many club legends have left this season. And uh, I think we kind of get into debates about what the word legend really means or doesn't mean, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, like you have to define that too for yourself. Like, I, you know, if you deem a certain player is not a legend to you, that's, that's okay. But like, why do we, you know, why fight about that? Why, why don't just laugh at the fact that we're top of the league and we're having a great time and it's been a tremendous turnaround and a rebuild in a much shorter time than it should have ever taken. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my thought for right now. Awesome. Well, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you, Simon. Anything that maybe we should be on the lookout coming from you this week? And as always, just how we can follow you and stay in touch. <laughs> well, first of all, I just want to say thanks for, for your kind uh, remarks, guys. Um, 
my, my, I suppose my, uh, my thoughts uh, that I just want to leave you guys with is, is uh, the difference a manager makes. Um, Jose Mourinho will always be remembered and regarded, and rightly so, as a as a Chelsea legend, despite um, his defection to Manchester United. But I think whilst there was some debate um, when he was appointed, the, the manager that Chelsea now have in charge has, has brought a bit of real class uh, back to Stamford Bridge. He's a he's a, a great operator, um, a kind of guy that he goes around. You guys don't get to see this, but when uh, when he comes into a press room, he shakes people by the hand. Even the journalists that perhaps have written something critical about him. Um, this is the kind of guy we're dealing with now, not someone that walks out of TV interviews that uh, uh, the special one, or, or perhaps the not-so-special one now, tends to do at Old Trafford. So I think Chelsea um, fans should be not only excited about the future, because I think this guy is um, not satisfied with what's gone on this season, despite the dominance. I think he's already got the summer in mind of what improvements he wants to make. But also the kind of um, newfound respect that he's sort of bringing to Chelsea Football Club. So um, definitely one to be uh, excited about going forward. This is just the beginning, guys. It's not the beginning of the end. And you can follow me at SJ Standard Sport for more long-winded conversations like that one. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely love it. Uh, Definitely... Kind of that that clean image, wholesome feel that Conte has given the club. And it's been an absolute fantastic ride so far. So with that being said, Chelsea fans, you know what to do as always. Big match coming up this weekend in the Premier League. Let us know where you're watching it. Send us pictures. We want to know where everyone is at celebrating the Blues. So until next time, keep the blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.